Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Do you want great new romance books to read but are overwhelmed by all of the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for, and just sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. Sign up only takes a few minutes. Answer a couple of questions about what you like to read and what you're looking for. You can link to your Goodreads profile if you have one, and then you're done. TBR subscribers are matched to bibliologists based on their requests. Do you love thrillers and want to read more romance? Or maybe you're looking for poetry by writers of color and maybe also some space opera. We've got someone who knows just what to choose for you. Each TBR delivery contains three titles in the recommendations only level or three new hardcovers, and you'll receive a new shipment every three months. Give your bibliologist feedback, update your requests to stay in line with your reading goals and expanding horizons, and basically have your own personal book concierge. Recommendations only is $15 per quarter or $49 a year. And if you're into hardcovers, that'll be $75 per quarter plus $4.79 of shipping. Annual subscribers receive free shipping. Recommendations only is available worldwide and hardcovers are available in the U.S. You can visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Hello, hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, where we love to talk about romance novels and romance landia and all of that stuff that's related to our happily ever after, at least on the page. I <laughs> am Jess. And I am Trisha. And we are recording on Thursday, September 17th, 2020, and this is episode 67. 67. Indeed it is. <laughs> uh, it's been a while, Jess. And it's so funny, right? Because in the past, it, we could go, you know, we could, we could miss a week for a holiday or for, you know, vacation or whatever. And it would be like, oh, boy, it's been four weeks. Now I'm talking to you. I'm like, oh, it's been like six and a half years. Right. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> What's it like to be, you know, living in the, apparently the future or who even knows? Who even knows? Yeah, there's a lot going. And actually, there. For better or worse, we were off of, of the podcast airwaves while there was uh, some interesting and in some degrees productive and in other de- degrees less productive conversation uh, in the romance world. But all of you know that because you are subscribed to the Kissing Books newsletter. So you've read about <laughs> it all, right, Jess? I hope so. And if you are not, then I hope you join me in talking about news and new books and old books and other things um every monday and thursday so you can find the kissing books subscription thing on the book riot website and have fun with me it's even right here in the podcast show notes that's right it is just you know take a quick look log in there yeah i um <laughs> because i am i don't know let's just 
call it, let's call it a nice name and say I'm very type A. I am actually subscribed in two different email addresses. And one of them, I know, <laughs> it's a conversation for another time. Anyway, for one of them, Kissing Books shows up, uh, like first thing when I turn my phone on in the morning, like after, well, when I turn off my alarm and, and look at actual more interesting fun things. And I saw the one uh, this morning, I was like, ah, Jess is at it again. I'm ready. <laughs> Just the subject line is is delightful. And I'm not even going to tell you what it is, because if you're not subscribed, <laughs> this will be your push to go click subscribe. It really is a lovely, I like, gosh, the number of deals that I found there and recommendations, it's just been, yeah, I would be delighted by it, even if I wasn't talking to the literal person who does all the work behind it. So oh, that makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Thank you, Trisha. Well, I'm so glad. And it is all true. And actually, I was going to say, is this a warm and fuzzy episode? I don't know. We'll see. I feel like there's some pros and cons on this one. But before we get into it, do you want to do a um, an ad spot and then we'll we'll jump on in? Let's do that, shall we? This episode is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders, the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community. Enrich your reading life with our Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to insiders, short story, novel, and epic get it? (laughs) And you can try any level out for free for two weeks. The highlight is our group read hosted online, available to all Epic members. Each quarter, we'll read a book voted on by Epic subscribers that will fulfill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge and cap off our read-along with a live chat. Insiders also get access to our new release index, so they can keep track of upcoming releases they're most excited about. Exclusive podcasts, bookish merch deals, and more. Head to insiders.bookriot.com to start your free two-week trial. That's insiders.bookriot.com. So one of the things that we were talking about, and this was 100% your idea, Jess, and I think it makes a lot of sense for the show, is that we, we have been sort of living in the backdrop of the COVID-19 pandemic for the last six months, at least six months plus. It was six months ago yesterday that my agency sent people home from work. Um, I know that you have been back in the office since, but you know it, it was probably now just over six months since they canceled the NBA season for a while and since mm-hmm. Tom Hanks had COVID and since you know, like all of these weird time markers that we'll see what happens. But as much as we've talked about the impact of COVID on our lives and our reading lives. And and again, sort of the context and environment of it, we haven't really talked about it a ton in terms of the impact that the pandemic is having on the romance book industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, like, there are some things that are sort of universal that are that's happening, you know, festivals were canceled. So people aren't selling books in person. And but they're, they're able to do like, more dynamic virtual events and that kind of thing. But what what else is really, really happening to the publishing industry overall, and specifically to romance? And it's, it's kind of hard to say, because there are books that are more general fiction, even nonfiction, that have been pushed back several months. Although then there are some that just sort of pop up, like Barack Obama's memoir. It's like, hey, it's coming out next month. See you yeah, there. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's really like there are things that it's having effect on and things that it's not really having an effect on. It's really interesting to see. 
And I think one of the things as we were talking about this and digging into a little bit more that was particularly interesting for me is that to the extent that there is an impact, and there certainly is, obviously, and we'll we'll talk more about that. But for whatever reason, and I think we know some of the reasons, we'll talk about those too, the impact almost seems to be a little bit less on the romance genre. Because you know, you were talking about books that keep getting bumped and moved and whatnot. And, you know, on the larger Book Riot contributor Slack, we've been seeing all of our friends and, and colleagues talking about like, oh, this book was supposed to happen. But now the dates have changed. And I can't keep track of what's coming out when and blah, blah, blah. And there have been a few high profile pushes in 2020. The Helen Huang's third book in, in her series that started with the Kish Quotient is one of them, but that had nothing to do with COVID. That announcement was made last year. Mm-hmm. There was another book that got pushed probably because the press it was getting was really bad. It was, had a political orientation. It was supposed to come out right before the 2020 United States presidential election. And that got complicated. But again, it had nothing to do with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I, it almost seems like, you know, everyone else is trying to navigate all of these shifts and changes. And, you know, I, I put out a call on our um, romance channel on the Book Riot Slack the other day just to say, like, does anybody know of anything that has gotten pushed because of COVID-19? And we kind of couldn't come up with anything. Yeah. So, I, I mean, to me, that was... So, I mean, it matched with what my experience was, but it didn't necessarily match with what I've seen from some of our, you know, Book Riot folks who cover other genres. Yeah. And, you know, I've been thinking about that since we decided to go deeper into the topic, since reading some of the things about how the industry has been affected and just thinking about what the romance industry is like. And I think that there are probably a few elements that contribute to romance not being as heavily affected. One of those is the num- the number of print runs across the board is humongous, but each book doesn't have the same print run that, say, any big advance general fiction book is going to have, especially like a literary fiction book that sold seven figures or whatever. Like, So like, since they were talking early in the pandemic about whether there was going to be a paper shortage, not just because of factory closures, but because of just, you know, trees. Um, Yeah, that's been a big deal for a while. Yeah. Then that wouldn't be affected, especially because a lot of romance readers are heavy ebook readers. So Mm -hmm. print runs might have been affected, but sales weren't. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's huge. And we've talked about that. How much of, I was trying to, I was actually poking around a little bit before we recorded to see if I could find anything up to date. And I, I didn't have a lot of success, but we know that a significant percentage, it seems like we've seen numbers that indicate more than any other genre, romance books are consumed via ebook. Not exclusively, obviously, a ton of people buy print versions of them, but just the percentage of print versus ebook is huge in romance. And I think the fact that bookstores were closed for a long Mm -hmm. time or having limited capacity still in many, many cases, I think that's another place where because the ebook presence is so big, romance was isolated against Mm -hmm. some of the impact of those store closures that really had an effect on other other genres. Yeah. And, you know, bookstores and a lot of libraries were closed. A lot of libraries were still operating with like curbside service or whatever. But like here in Arizona, when the state was shut down, very few staff were left to work in our library system. And we were only acquiring ebooks for six weeks. Like 
we weren't buying any print materials. They were coming in from previous purchases, but all of that was digital for that period of time. And, you know, I can't say that the majority or even half of it was romance, but, you know, that's a lot of what people are going to request digitally because there are a lot of genre readers, not just romance, but mystery mm-hmm. and sci-fi who read heavily in ebook because we like to eat books. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, yeah, that's, it's both a strange way to put it and also a very, very appropriate way to put it. I was actually <laughs> going to ask you that, Jess, if you have a sense for whether, and this is completely unfair and totally putting you on the spot, but <laughs> to the extent that you're circular, but, but we've been at this for two and a half years, you should have known <laughs> that this was going to happen. Um, do you have a sense for whether the percentage of romance as a part of the circulation that you all have been dealing with over the last six months has increased, decreased, stayed the same? You have no idea, which is a, probably the most fair answer. But I'm, I'm curious so if you have any sort of even like anecdata on that. I can say that I don't know overall in a system that covers a swath of land the size of New Jersey, um, how much the romance genre has circulated in comparison. Mm-hmm. I can say that I have gotten at least four other librarians to read more romance just in the past four months. <laughs> well, that's anecdata. That counts. So so if they count as like a percentage, mm-hmm. <laughs> it counts. Yeah. There is a small increase. Have you noticed, because I know too that you have a um, a book club mm-hmm. that I can't remember if it's through the library or not. And I know y'all did Indigo at least recently. So there's at least some romance books if it's not exclusively. Have you seen an, in- if you see more people or different people than you were seeing before that? No, I didn't think about that. No, maybe, sort of. <laughs> that one's hard to say. I was going to say, I didn't give you the disclaimer that that's also an equally, if not even more unfair question. Well, like I had to think about that one because like actually at the beginning of the year, we were going to start um, a new romance book club with a local bookstore and then it that died. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and the ro- Indigo reading was with a group that reads across all kinds of genres. And that was their first romance novel. And for a lot of people who came to that meeting, that was their first romance novel ever. So that was really interesting. And Mm -hmm. a couple people definitely asked for more recommendations. So that was exciting. The one that I do through the library, it could come and go. I've seen, I think, the same people who have been interested in reading romance are still reading romance. Some are reading mystery with romantic elements, which is more than you could say before. So I don't know. But you know, since romance guarantees happiness at the end, I think that in every small group of people, there is going to be someone who is drawn to it just because they need it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And actually, when we talk a little bit in, in a few minutes about what we think the pandemic might do to storytelling in romance, I think that's going to be super relevant. Mm-hmm. I will say I was looking at one of the articles that as we were researching and looking at this, uh, I found talks about how romance sales are up, increased 17 percentage points from January through May. And you start to see there's a there's a graph and I'll link to this article in, the, in our show notes. But there's a graph where you sort of see all of romance sales 
at a certain, well, it looks like, you know, romance print was kind of going down from January and ended up going, bouncing back up. Mm-hmm. The ebook market was was pretty steady, and then around March you start to see that go up significantly, and then the combo obviously goes up. So it is at least somewhat indicative of the fact that sales overall are up, but in particular sales of ebooks are up, which kind of bears out. I think the other thing too that we can't ignore that we've talked about as well with romance publishing, and this is this plays into the ebook piece is that there is a lot of independent and self-published romance out there. And a lot mm-hmm. of those authors are people who are pretty successful. You know, we've talked about Penny Reed. We've talked about Kristen Ashley. Uh, Talia Hibbert for a long time was an indie published author. And so mm-hmm. there is this, I feel like some of the stigma around indie publishing and self-publishing, it's not that it doesn't exist at all in romance, but I do think it's a slightly different game. It it definitely is. And just like another bit of anecdata just from Twitter is that I've seen an increase in people trying out Kindle Unlimited, which isn't the be all of independent publishing for Kindle directly, but a lot of authors will put at least one or two of their books there because then that brings readers to the rest of their, their series. And, you know, just seeing that and since the majority of Kindle Unlimited is at least in romance is self-published authors then i would imagine that there is a a lot of draw to something like that because there's just so much there and we've seen the numbers too and talked about them i think to some extent at least on this podcast about how if you put your first book out there, even if it whether it's on Kindle Unlimited or you just put it out for 99 cents or $1.99, whatever, mm-hmm. and then it gets people hooked into the series and you can sell the other three books for $5.99 and so, you know, or whatever the, the prices are, it does seem as though, you know, if, if everybody's at home and trying out books on their e-readers in a way that maybe they haven't been and – Again, something we've talked about is that you don't need an e-reader. If you have a tablet, if you have a phone, mm-hmm. you can put the Kindle app, the Nook app, the Kobo app, whatever else, the Audible app, the Libro FM app, like all of those things, you have access to these books. And if you're pushed toward them in a certain way, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I've had a, <laughs> I had a, a cup of soup or a, a can of soup. Mm-hmm that I literally carried around with me around the country last year <laughs> because I kept being like, boy, I really need to make this soup. <laughs> you know what pushed me to finally, after a year and a half, <gasps> I finally made the soup because I was like, oh, I can't go to the grocery store. It is time. It is time for this chicken barley soup to be a part of my life. And luckily for me, it still didn't expire for another year because it was soup. That's amazing. But- you get pushed. I kid you not, Jess. I had it in my thing, like one of my bins that I carried around. Every time I feel like, oh boy, it's, I keep forgetting about this. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> in some ways, we're all in the soup situation, or at least we were in particular in, in April and May. Mm-hmm. And so you you might be willing to try something or do something, you know, that you didn't have to do before because options were a lot less limited mm-hmm. seven months ago than they are now. So. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we know that the pandemic has been a crisis for so many people. And in so many ways, you know, in terms of health and job security and economics and all of those things. But it does seem like if you are someone who writes books right now, romance isn't a bad place to be. 
I mean, well, comparatively, it may still be a really difficult time. Yeah. 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 I can't imagine that people who might have offered a little bit more to spend every month who didn't have extra expendable cash still have that option across the board. But it is one of the things that we can still do. So it seems like there are a lot of people willing to do it. Like, I'd I'd definitely much rather buy a few books than go to the movies. And that's the thing, too, right? Like, it's a thing that you, you're right, if your entertainment budget has been slashed dramatically, just because of your economic realities, then you may not be buying books in any way, shape or form, right? You may not be paying for a Kindle Unlimited subscription. Mm -hmm. But if you were a person that went to the movies, even just once a month, between a ticket and maybe some popcorn, you could buy yourself four romance novels for that amount of money mm-hmm. with basically no problem. So yeah, I don't know. I guess my take home again is there are some some ways that the way that romance has been ahead of its time in the publishing industry a little bit, I think have paid off in a lot of ways. Again, not universally and not in a way that isn't still painful for people, but that maybe makes a difference depending on you know, where you are. Yeah, I think that is absolutely true. All right, well, we'll assume that it is because it's time for another ad spot. And then we'll come back and talk a little bit about what we think might happen to romance, particularly when it comes to kind of the storytelling side of it. So don't go anywhere. We're, we're going to come right, right back to that. <laughs> and in the meantime, this episode of When in Romance is brought to you by Portrait of Loyalty by Rosanna M. White. With World War I British intrigue and romance perfect for fans of Downton Abbey, this series highlights legendary Room 40 and the work done through code decrypting and propaganda to help fight the war. Rosanna is an acclaimed author, and Publishers Weekly says of the book, the deeply spiritual third installment of White's The Codebreaker series features a romance between a Russian cryptographer and an English professor amid the destruction of World War I. White's smooth-flowing narrative and resonant themes of misinformation and social upheaval will draw readers to this glowing love story. Could a dashing Russian who said he had no choice but to defect to England really be as trustworthy as he seems? Find out and pick up your copy of Portrait of Loyalty by Rosanna M. White. You can find a link in our show notes or find it wherever books are sold. All right, Jess, we've actually looked at the uh, some of the objective pieces of the impact of the COVID pandemic. Now, we're just going all subjective all the time, <laughs> just leaning hard into the things that we don't know at all. And somewhat, some, we actually got a, I, I got a DM or an email a while back actually asking about this. And I've been thinking about it a little bit since. I don't have a great sense for what kind of narrative impact the pandemic might have on the way the authors are writing stories over the course of the next several years. Do you have kind of a sense for that or an idea or just like a guess? It's really hard to say, in part because I think I've only read maybe two or three books that have been both written and published during the pandemic. Because as you know, self-published books can get very quickly done, edited, revised, and put out. Right. While, mm-hmm. you know, some people who are writing now won't publish until fall 2021. And so it'll be hard to say from what I've seen what that is. But if there's one thing 
that I think might come out of the narrative, it's going to be holding people into account. And like, I don't know why that's the first thing that came to mind for that. But it's like, we're all just sort of, none of us can really take very much right now, right? Especially with people, Mm -hmm. you know, equivocating or being sort of grayscale morally or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I think there's probably going to be some element of both like hard assness, but also like snuggles. Like, I don't know how that works, but it's like really lovey and close and warm and mug of tea kind of thing. But also don't come for me because I'll come for you. I don't know. What do you think? It sounds a little bit like what you might be saying, and I could be reading this very wrong, is that it doesn't – it seems like the feelings and ideas that we've kind of experienced and kind of lived in in the pandemic will be more present than the actual setting of this particular moment. Yes. And I think that's 100% true. The the day after we decided to have this conversation, um, as we're recording now, the Pop Culture Happy Hour – team at NPR put out an episode about what they thought that the COVID-19 pandemic impacts would be on pop culture generally. And one of the things that they talked about was that there will be, it's prediction, who knows, right? But one of the predictions was that there will be no appetite for entertainment set in the COVID pandemic for a few reasons, Mm -hmm. right? Partly because it's a long-term difficult trauma essentially, that people have been mired in, many people more than others, right? Those who have been worst affected, obviously, more than anyone. But all of us, you know, are kind of navigating that. And I think in the romance side of things, it's really hard to make a happily ever after out of something that has been, for everyone, having such a massive impact and for some people having just a devastating and heartbreaking impact in terms of people who they have lost or health that has been jeopardized jobs and economies and, you know, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's a really good point. My thought about that is that if we see it, like if we see kind of some reference to kind of more, more of the specifics than kind of what you were referencing, is that it would be in a sort of allegorical way, Mm. right? So you would see a historical romance that maybe is set during the pandemic of the Spanish flu in 1918, Mm -hmm. right? Or you would see some historical something that requires people to be isolated together for medical or health reasons, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I think you might see some of the themes, you might see forced proximity in a way that that looks a little bit different. But in the same way that I can't think of, and maybe this is just me, but And maybe it's just that there's not a lot of recent history romance. I can't think of any romance that is deeply tied into the tragedy of the 9-11 trauma that we we all experienced as a country here in the US Mm -hmm. and and that many people experience beyond. I can't think of anything that ties into that. And I think this is a similar kind of situation where hundreds of thousands of lives are lost. And it's hard to make a happy ever after out of that. Yeah, like I was thinking... As far as setting goes, like there might be more forced proximity stuff, people being snowed in, people being stuck in a cabin for some random reason, people 
on a drive and car breaks down something like I don't know. But like Mm -hmm, I was thinking it's either going to be a lot more of that or just like travel to the extreme. Like yeah, (laughs) space Mm -hmm. travel, European travel, island travel, Mm -hmm. cross country road trips, just like People are going to want to write out, write out their feelings of just needing to get out. So mm-hmm. it was like, I don't, it could be either one or it could be both of them happening simultaneously. And suddenly there's just bubbles of each one. But yeah, I don't like, I can think of one book that was marketed to romance readers, but was actually fiction with romantic elements that has a setting in that kind of huge tragic event. But I think a lot of people sort of veer away from it. I mean, the same thing can be said Mm -hmm. for even like movement for black lives kinds of things. I've seen absolutely maybe three or four really gung-ho, hard-hitting, activist-centered romances. And while there are plenty that are about, you know, making sure that Black Lives Matter, they're not mm-hmm. mired in the action. They're just sort of peripheral. So I gotta wonder if that's going to change any, or if people are just gonna start pretending 2020 just never existed. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I wouldn't blame them either way. <laughs> this is true. I mean, obviously, it mo- mo- in terms of the COVID pandemic, obviously, we need to, you know, make sure that the Black Lives Matter movement stays forefront. But but yeah, it's, yeah, I do think, I do wonder if there's a little bit of a just pick up in 2021 and start with whatever you got. But but one of the things you were talking about with different ways that people might talk about travel or anything, like just kind of go the complete opposite direction of what their lived in experience has been this year. Mm -hmm. That would be, I could totally see that happening for sure. I've been spending a lot of time looking at Airbnbs, New Zealand. I've learned a lot about New Zealand. (laughs) Kind of want to go there now. There's a lot. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And the nice thing about romance is kind of like you said, we'll probably start to get a sense for it within the next year or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we'll see. Who knows? Uh, Let us know what all of you think is coming uh, out of this pandemic and out of the narrative side or how you have been impacted as a romance reader or a romance writer or... Yeah, just a general book reader, and maybe in comparison to your romance reading. I don't know. Any other helpful questions that we have for people, Jess? Those were pretty good ones. I think that covers everything we've talked about so far. Yeah, so unless you have something we haven't talked about so far, which you very well might, (laughs) uh, then feel free to let us know if that is the case also. All right, well, enough of that. We can uh, for sure, I think, find something more fun and interesting to read about, to talk about. Well, if not more interesting, then certainly less less mired in the grimness of, of 2020 so far. We had been talking a little bit. We don't always go too far into specific heritage or commemoration or acknowledgement months mm-hmm. in any specific way. But it is Hispanic Heritage Month here in the United States. It goes from September 15th to October 15th, which even though it's sort of unusual for it to cross over a particular month marker. In some ways, it actually makes sense because you should be reading, you know, Hispanic Latinx authors both months. In fact, you should be reading them 12 months a year. Mm -hmm. So we figured maybe we'd uh, talk a little bit about some of those authors. Yes, let's. All right, you want to kick us off? 
I do because it's funny. I, I, Trisha and I were talking about what we wanted to talk about, and I was like, "Have I yelled about this book yet?" Because I honestly don't remember. <laughs> um, so if you've heard me talk about it, I'm sorry. You're going to hear it again. I know I've written about it in kissing books, so you're going to hear it again. But um, I want to mention you had me at Ola by Alexis Daria which is a relatively recent book. I think it came out in August. And this is a book about actors. And I don't usually go for the multiple famous people falling in love with each other story. I don't know why, but it's it's always interesting to see the comparison between a famous person and a not famous person and how they deal with being famous together. But this one is particularly interesting, not because not only because it's like really dynamic, and you're like sucked in immediately. But there are two stories happening here. The first is the two actors who are both working on their next step up. And they are the leads in a Netflix-like company's newest English version of a telenovela that already exists. And you also get to read chapters that are that story. So as they're slowly figuring out their characters and their roles and themselves and each other and dealing with their own personal and family stuff, you're also seeing them act together and you're seeing their characters be together in chapters that are even in their characters' names and heads, but also their names. And it's it's interesting. But I'm sort of droning about this, but it's just like there's so much that's <laughs> happening that I can't, I don't even know how much to tell you because it's such a delightful, slightly melodramatic book. There's a big secret. Oh, no. And and the like, why can't they be together is for some people doesn't feel strong enough. But you get so mired into that, like, they really have strong feelings about the why they can't be together, which, as you know, is the best glue for any romance novel. And the resolution that happens and their own personal evolution individually and with each other is just really great to read. And I think I only took two sittings to finish this book. So (laughs) if you have not yet read it, You Had Me at Ola by Alexis Daria is great. Hooray! Uh, I actually have it. When you said it had come out in August, I was like, no, it came out in May, right? And I was looking (laughs) at the copy that I got at Target. I was like, no, I I think I got that two weeks ago so that's yeah okay all right that's (laughs) two weeks ago six years ago i mean what is is time i mean i've probably gotten it since the last time that we recorded and so i yeah who knows uh at any rate i have been in a little bit of a historical romance space for for the last few weeks and i've been reading 
a lot of your, you know, run-of-the-mill normal historical romance, but I recently started a new book by Lydia San Andres, and we've talked about her book, A Summer for Scandal, mm. uh, which is a Pride and Prejudice retelling. One of the things that I really like about her books is that they take place in a sort of made-up island kind of near Cuba and the Dominican Republic, but they're very much grounded in the some of the same history and, and culture as those places, which makes them the kind of books that well, they're lovely historical romances that don't take place in England, mm-hmm. right? In the 19th or 20th century in England. Both of these books take place in, so I mentioned A Summer for Scandal. The one that I have recently started, I'm about halfway through, is The Infamous Miss Rodriguez. And they both take place in the early 20th century. And I will focus on The Infamous Miss Rodriguez because, like I said, we've talked about A Summer for Scandal. It's about a, a young woman whose aunt has decided that she needs to arrange her a marriage because this aunt had never really planned to raise Graciela and she's, you know, the aunt has her figured out. She's going to hook her up with this guy. It's going to be great. Only Graciela does not want to get married, (laughs) uh, particularly to this person. She has no interest in it. And so the way that she decides that she's going to get out of this setup engagement is to ruin her own reputation. Mm -hmm. And she tries many, many things. Within the second paragraph of the book, you know, all of the many things that she's tried so far. Then she tries to take nude photographs so that she can sell them to a local newspaper. But the aunt, Graciela's aunt, has hired a sort of bodyguard protector kind of person, uh, Vicente, who, after Graciela takes the nude photos, goes to the photographer and buys them. And like, so he's kind of almost following her around, <laughs> boxing her out of ruining her own reputation, which is a really sort of lovely and charming dynamic. And he starts to. As much as he needs this job and needs the connections and needs the money, he starts to kind of come around to Graciela's perspective and how she doesn't actually want to marry this guy. And she kind of gets it. And obviously, shenanigans ensue. Yes. But one of the great things about this one is that it is a novella. It certainly reads to, you know, by itself. There's no problem uh, if you just want to pick it up. I think I bought it for $2 as an ebook, as we discussed. Ebooks, it's a real thing mm-hmm. in romance. Um, so if you're just looking for a nice, lovely, light afternoon read, The Infamous Miss Rodriguez by Lydia San Andres, the link will be in the show notes, is a great option. And there are a couple other authors that we were going to shout out, Jess. Yeah, I wanted to throw out Ada Maria Soto who was not a familiar author to me until I asked her around about some ace rep by authors of color and her name was thrown out and I read one of her books a few weeks ago and it was just delightful and she writes pretty short material too. So I would definitely recommend um, checking out Ada Maria Soto, probably anything. (laughs) Probably. Do you want to give us the title of the one that you read a couple of weeks ago? I read uh, His Quiet Agent, which is, you know, 115 pages long, lots of emotions, lots of sobbing. So (laughs) definitely check Mm -hmm. that one out. Sure. And we were going to mention, too, um, we've talked a lot about Adriana Herrera, who has a series that I think wrapped up just earlier this year. A lot of really good Latinx rap there. Uh, Again, we've talked about it a lot. The one that always sticks in my mind is American Love Story. Although your favorite, Jess, you were telling me is... It's an American fairy tale? Fairy tale, yeah. Yeah. Um, So we'll link to both of them, although neither of them is the first in the series. So we'll just link to the series. You can poke around, decide I did not start at the beginning and I had no trouble. So feel free to poke around and find whichever books there seem like they suit your fancy. And with that, I think we we have done the damage we can do today, Jess. 
I think we have. And hopefully it was good damage for all of you. Yes. I mean, maybe damage to your TBR. We have no regrets about that, to be honest. (laughs) Please do tell us what sort of impacts you are seeing of COVID as a romance reader or writer or observer. Let us know what your favorite books with Latinx own voices, authors and representation are. As always, a huge thanks to our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink, who is to the extent that we sound good at all, it is all Jen because Jess and I, you won't be able to tell, we made multiple missteps in this episode. So thank you to Jen for fixing all of them. Yay, Jen. Yay. (laughs) Where can people find you uh, if they want to contact you, Jess? Well, you can find me on social media, on Twitter at JessIsReading, all one word, or on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. And you can find me at Trisha Haley Brown, both on Instagram and Twitter, but you are going to have much more luck, honestly, finding me on Instagram. Please do rate and review the show. It helps other people find it, particularly if you like it. But even if you don't, that's fine, too. (laughs) Anything else we need to let folks know before we, we sign off, Jess? Feel free to drop us an email at whenandromance at bookriot.com. Oh, yeah. We have that, too. Ugh, there's so many ways to reach us and tell us all your thoughts. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh, we are happy to be back with you in apparently still 2020 somehow. Yes. And we will be back with you in a couple of weeks. Yep. And until then, if you are reading, happy reading. <laughs>